As we interact with God's Word this morning, I will probably follow my notes at certain points in time quite closely because there's some things I want to say, and that's all I want to say at that point in time. I don't want to add, but I don't want to delete. Sometimes I, you know, don't do that as closely, but there will be points in times, and again, with definite reason. Let's pray together, then look at First Peter. Father, we again are grateful for Christ, grateful for the opportunity to worship together, grateful for being the body of Christ. And as we look at a portion of Scripture that ties in very strongly with Christ and the body of Christ, we are open, sensitive to hearing, to living, to obeying. For your glory, for it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Can a house, and I'm talking the building, accomplish its purpose if it is separated from the foundation? Can a house accomplish its purpose if separated from its foundation? Can your physical body be effective if it is separated from your head? Can your physical body be effective if separated from your head? In 1 Peter chapter 2, 4 through 10, Peter clearly communicates the identity of Jesus Christ, referring to him as the living stone. God's elect believers are identified as living stones. The union between the living stone, Christ, and living stones, believers, is presented in a very, very strong manner. And I repeat, The union between the living stone, Christ, and the living stone's believers is presented in a very, very strong manner. Identity determines how we live. Whether Christ on the earth or the body of Christ in Peter's day or the body of Christ today. As we discuss 1 Peter 2, And verse 5, ask yourself, am I in Christ through repentance of sin and faith? Let's read together 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 4. Peter, towards the end of chapter 1, had talked about being born again through imperishable seed, the living and enduring word of God. And in light of that, he says, rid yourself of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, And slander, crave pure spiritual milk so that you can grow up now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And then picking up with verse 4, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that caused men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message which is also 
what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In verse 4, Peter states, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, referring to Christ. And then he says at the beginning of verse 5, you also. Thus identifying his hearers and those who had come to faith in Christ with the living stone. Rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. The hearers are living stones. Rejected by their culture, by their society. But chosen by God and precious to him. Since Peter's hearers are in Christ, what is true of Christ is true of them. Known by God and precious to him. We have Christ who is a living stone. And I would like to have a drawing there of a big stone, but we don't. And then we have believers who are living stones, built upon the foundation of Christ. Christ is the living stone. Peter's hearers, believers today, being living stones. Peter has already addressed his readers as similarly chosen by the foreknowledge of God. And will now begin to explain that the living stones will suffer as the living stone has suffered, not in spite of being chosen by God, but because of being chosen by him. The experience and destiny of those who come to Christ are bound up with the experience and destiny of Christ himself. Well, the short-term picture may look bleak because of unjust suffering for Peter's hearers. The long-term has been, been made secure by Christ's resurrection in which Peter's readers will also share. When Peter describes those who come to Jesus Christ as living stones, he is implying that their nature derives from the nature of the resurrected Christ. Therefore, the Christian's understanding of their situation is to be shaped by all that Christ has experienced. Most important, by Christ's victory over suffering and death. The parallel between the living stone and the living stones implies much about the relationship between Jesus Christ and the life of the Christian. The Christian community is portrayed as a temple, implying that now it, not a literal stone building, is the place of God's earthly dwelling by his Holy Spirit, a place of worship, an acceptable sacrifice. 
the theo or this is a theocentric image relating the Christian church to God. Unlike Paul's images of bride and body, which relate the church to Christ. The offerings made in the new temple are acceptable to God through Christ, but are nevertheless offerings made to God. In Peter's imagery, Christ is included in the spiritual temple alongside believers. But as the foundation first and preeminent stone in the new temple, a stone that holds a unique place, Christ is the foundational stone of this new temple. Apart from him, the temple would not exist. Christ, short-term, suffered unjust suffering. Believers, short-term, unjust suffering. Christ, in the immediate, at this time he's a high priest. We're living stones. In the long run, Christ will rule and reign. Turn all over to God. For believers, be with Christ, be with God. Again, tied in with Christ, what he went through, we experience in many ways. Notice Peter says, you also like living stones. We know that the word living means to be possessed of vitality. To exercise functions of life, to have the means of subsistence, vigor. Christ is called the living stone. He has vitality. He exercises the function of life. He has the means of subsistence and vigor. Believers are called living stones. The life that Christ has, believers have. Christ is living, the living stone. Believers are living stones. In union with the living stone. Having his life, his vitality, and being built. Like living stones, he says, you're being built. Peter's hearers and also believers today. And that being done by God, take our Bibles and go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians is written to the church in Corinth, and we know that they had some issues. And the issue being addressed in the immediate context is that they were divided. Some following Paul, some Peter, some Apollos. And Paul writes and says, you need to get your focus back on Christ. And in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 5, what after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, God's building. 
God does the work. God is building. Go over to Ephesians chapter 2. We find again, Paul is speaking to the church in Ephesus, emphasizing Christ, and he talks about the fact that the wall between the Jew and the Gentile has been broken down through Christ. And he says in verse 19 of Ephesians 2, Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I'm back to First Peter. God is doing the building, building living stones with Christ as the living stone being the chief cornerstone. But being built. The placement of the living stone with living stones in the temple implies a close relationship between Christ with believers and their common nature as human beings. The cornerstone is called living by virtue of his resurrection. The same resurrection enlivens the stones that come to him and take their place in the new temple. The image of the living stones of the new temple also has implications for the conception of Christ's relationship to others or Christians' relationship to other believers. Notably, these stones are not lying about in idle isolation or disorder in Peter's description. They are not heaped in a pile or scattered across the field. Christians are not individual temples of God in the image that Peter expresses. They are each put in place in a spiritual house for the purpose of being a holy priesthood that offers acceptable sacrifices. Living stones built into a spiritual house. A spiritual house is ties in pertaining to the soul, relating to the influence of the Holy Spirit. We already looked at Ephesians 2, where Christ is a cornerstone and God is building, is building, and it speaks of the unity, the significance, and the purpose of all believers. The image of living stones being built into a spiritual house whose cornerstone is Christ also speaks of the unity, significance, and purpose of all believers. Concepts essential for Christian self-understanding. The primary attribute of a temple in the first century thought was its holiness. Just as God's presence sanctified the temple of Jerusalem, The Holy Spirit sanctifies the Christian community, setting it apart as God's own. The unity of the temple is derived from God's presence, the one cornerstone, and a unity of purpose. There is one single temple into which all believers are being built. The Christian church is not a social organization. But the new temple, 
where the transformed lives of believers are offered as a sacrifice to the glory of God. The imagery of the living stones being built into a single unit implies that the significance and purpose of the individual believer cannot be realized apart from community with other believers. Coming to Christ means coming into relationship with others, not only in one's own generation, but also being united with believers of every generation who likewise have been built into God's grand building project. The structure will be completed only when the scaffolding of human history comes down and the kingdom of Christ is revealed in all its glory. Even if Peter's readers find themselves alienated from their society and suffering a loss of status, Peter assures them that they they have become part of a much grander and everlasting community. It is by value, values and convictions of this community that they must now understand themselves. Not as self-centered individuals, but as each taking his or her place in the spiritual house. W. Barclay recounts a story of a Spartan king but a visiting monarch come to his city and the Spartan king was saying, look at all my stones. And the visiting monarch said, I see no stones. And the Spartan king says, my soldiers are my stones. And that's in essence what Peter is saying. Believers are the living stones that are being built. Not into a wall, but into a temple. Not individual believers scattered around. One going one way, another going another way. But together being built. And notice he says, being built into a holy priesthood. Peter's hearers, believers today, a holy priesthood. Holy set apart for specific use. A priesthood goes to God on behalf of others. God's desire for the nation of Israel was that they would be a holy priesthood, influencing other nations. The church today, the body of Christ today, and during the entire church age, is to be a holy priesthood. Ministering to others before God. And this holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ. The centrality of Christ comes through so loud and clear. In chapter 1 and verse 2, we have sprinkling by Christ's blood. Chapter 1 and verse 3, God is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 5, we find that salvation is going to be revealed, you know, and that ties in with Christ. Being built into a holy temple to offer spiritual sacrifices. 
through Jesus Christ. And he says spiritual sacrifices are going to be offered. And I've read various commentators and there's debate on what does it mean to offer spiritual sacrifices to God? And as I study the flow of First Peter, I'm inclined to think that Peter does not explain what he means. He just simply says, you're being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It seems like his hearers understood. So I think the explanation for spiritual sacrifices has to come from the context. And I think in the context, he's talking about life. What he mentions throughout Peter, or through his first letter, obedience to Christ, rejoicing in the coming salvation, We have glorious joy because of our faith, prepared minds, self-control, set our hope on the grace to be given to us, refuse to be conformed to evil desires, being holy like God is holy, living as strangers, loving fellow believers deeply, rid the body of all malice, deceit, and so on, craving pure spiritual milk, abstaining from sinful desires, submission to authority, live in harmony with one another, Set Christ apart as Lord, armed with the same attitude as Christ. Clear-minded, offer hospitality. To sum all that up in a few words, in your day-by-day living, 24-7, at home, at school, on the job, driving, shopping, just respond to God. That's offering living sacrifices. It's not doing something special. It's not doing something unique. It's not something that you merely do when we come together with other believers. I think he's talking about a total lifestyle. Where the body, where the temple offers to God spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable and those being through Christ. So we have the living stone who is chosen by God, precious to God. Then we have living stones who are being built into a spiritual household to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices. God continues to build and continues to build. I want you to notice that the living stone is chosen by God and precious to him. The living stones are chosen by God and precious to him. If you come to faith in Christ, have you ever thought about yourself as being chosen by God and precious to him? Thinking about the body of Christ down through the ages with all its struggles and ups and downs and victories, chosen by God and precious to him. Our identity impacts how we live, how we respond. A couple applications. So goes the living stone. 
So goes the living stones. The living stone was rejected. Peter's saying to him, here's, you're experiencing some rejection. The living stone, you're living stones. Expect misunderstanding. Christ was misunderstood. He was criticized. Peter says to his hearers, expect some misunderstanding, some criticism. And think about that in our current culture, in our country. We experience rejection sometimes. We experience criticism at times. The living stone went through that. Should we expect any different as living stones? I don't think so. Because the living stone and living stones are being built together. Believers are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Not individual separate stones, but priest. We're dependent upon other believers. In the front of our bulletin, the third Sunday of each month, we list the one another's, encourage one another, you know, pray for one another, and forgive one another, and so on. That's by design to remind us that we're part of a temple that is being built up. We're not islands. We're not individuals. We're not separate stones. We're being built together. And we interact. Thus we need to be together. We need one another. And that is tied in with our identity in Christ. We're part of a holy temple being built by God. We're a chosen by God, and precious to him. That means a teenager comes home from school and says, Mom, Dad, I need new sneakers because I'm being rejected because I don't look nice. And Mom and Dad say, Son, daughter, this is a prime teaching tool. Your identity is not in what you wear. Your identity is in Christ. You're chosen by God. You're precious to him. You're part of a holy temple being built. New shoes may be in order, but if you're going to pursue new shoes to be accepted, you're going to run into problems time and time again. How many of us living in our culture today think we need a new phone because a new one came out? And someone sees, oh, you've got one of those What do you call that phone? No, it must be at least a half a year old. Aren't you up to date? And you respond with, it serves its purpose. Nothing wrong with a new phone. I'm glad you can have one. But my identity is not in being up to date. My identity is in Christ. I mean, chosen people, a royal priest and a holy nation, chosen by God, precious to him. It makes a world of difference. in how we live and respond. Our identity is so important. I would encourage you as parents, as a husband or wife, or with grandchildren, if they have come to faith in Christ, to help them live in light of their identity in Christ. A chosen people, royal priesthood, you know, living stones, 
chosen by God, precious to him. Live well. Our culture tries to form us. And Peter says to his hearers and to us today, don't let your culture form you because you're living stones. With Christ, the living stone being the chief cornerstone. That means we can say no at times in daily living. If someone offers or wants us to go a certain direction. The living stone is central, is foundational in salvation and reconciliation. Living stone being Christ. My simple question is, have you come to faith in Christ? If you come to him, it's Christ. And it's through him we live and move and have our being. But the living stone, Christ, is central to daily living. Some of you get up tomorrow morning and you say, oh, another week of school. I don't want to go to school. Come to faith in Christ. Christ is my living stone. I can go to school with a good godly attitude. You can go to work because of the living stone. You can endure suffering because of the living stone. Your identity in daily living Your strength, your power in daily living is rooted in the living stone. Not rooted in who you are, your great ability. And that means in our daily living, we desire to point others to Christ. Let me introduce you to the living stone. Christ. So we partake of communion this morning. We're remembering Christ, the living stone. And as members of the body of Christ, as members of the temple that God is building, we're concerned about relationships because we're individual stones but being built together. And that's why Paul in 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen through 34 would talk about the fact that, you know, step back and examine yourself. How's your relationship with other believers? But communion also being a time where we remember Christ, the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, and the fact that we are priests because of Christ being our high priest. Ask the men to come forward, please.